Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the lead pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We spend these 25 minutes together every week telling you the stories of our church as we interview our members and other friends of the ministry. We have two services at Harvest every Sunday, and if you come this Sunday, you'll be joining us on a very special day because we have our first service at 8.45 a.m., the second at 10.45 a.m., but we'll be in the midst of our missions conference. We do have Japanese and Korean translation. Those are available at 10.45 a.m. during that service. And that's also the service we live stream. You can find that at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, God's Glory to the Nations, our 2023 missions conference. And we'll be talking more about that today. Let's begin today's Harvest Time by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Hey, half a day, Chris. I am so excited to be coming up on our missions conference. Uh, this is something that we plan for and prioritize in our calendar, our ministry calendar, for the full year. We really feel like it's you know, the most important thing that, that we do during the course of the year. So I can't wait uh, to launch into that this Sunday, and it'll go through Wednesday. We got a lot of special events that will be part of it. You can find those on our website as well, the information about that. Um, but, you know, we really feel as a church that God's uh, command to us is that uh, the gospel would be uh, brought to all the nations. And uh, the Great Commission, of course, tells us to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And um, we sort of feel like that's, uh, you know, our responsibility and we want to take ownership of that. And so our missions conference is a time of the year when we can put a special focus on uh, God's call to us as a church in our responsibility along with his you know his people around the world but our our personal responsibility to be active in in the opportunities and of course we know here on Guam we just have so many very close opportunities and and so we want to keep that fresh that burden and that mission fresh before us so I want to invite you to come and hear what God's doing among the nations and the part that you can play uh, in that uh, in that responsibility, in that task. To kind of lead us into that, I'm really pleased to have a special guest with us on Harvest Time. Uh, he's on the phone from uh, Chandler, Arizona, but Dr. Nathan Messler is the president of International Baptist College and Seminary in Arizona and on the staff at Tri-City Baptist Church. And uh, so, uh, Pastor Nathan, thank you for joining us. Well, Pastor Gary, Chris, thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be coming to Guam for the very first time. I cannot wait to be there. You mentioned to Chris and I just before we started recording that uh, you have uh, currently been in 49 of the U.S. states, and your stopover in Hawaii will get you to the number 50. Yeah, I'm going to hit 50, and then I'm going to get the first of the U.S. territory. So now I'm going to have to get to all those, too, just to complete the list. Well, we're really uh, happy to be able to be part of that, you know, journey for you. I mean, not many people get all of that, so so we're excited about that, and excited to be able to have you here and introduce you to uh, to Guam and the you know the awesome people and culture that's here, and then what God's doing here at Harvest. Thank you for taking, you know, being willing to set aside some time to come out and join us and visit with us. Well, I am thrilled. Can't wait. 
Well, we want our church to get to know you a little bit as you're coming in. I know you'll you'll be with us here in just a couple of days, um, but uh, your current role um, is at International Baptist College. You're the uh, and seminary. You're the president. Is that right? Can you just tell us a little bit about your burdens for the college? Yeah. We are really burdened about training the next generation of God-fearing leaders to serve. We're located right here in the West, so we focus on training people for the Western part of the United States. But the rest of our mission is really in our name. It's International Baptist College and Seminary. We want to send God-fearing leaders around the world to take the good news of Jesus wherever God calls them to, to, to go. Um, I've been living here in Arizona but I grew up in Africa as a missionary, and so I just really love missions. And to, to come to your church and have the chance to just preach about missions really ties in to the, to the mission that we have here at International Baptist College. So I'm just thrilled. I mean, there's going to be a real knitting of our hearts together through that week. I'm interested. That's so uh, fascinating. I want to hear about your background uh, growing up in Africa. Let me hang on to that for just one minute. Um, the, how long have you been at the college? Um, uh, you know, students are from, you know, what areas? Tell us just a little bit more about the college. Yeah, I have been here on staff at the college for 14 years. I myself came to, to International Baptist College and Seminary for my undergrad training. And so I've been back here for 14 years. Our students really come primarily from the Intermountain West, from the Pacific North, uh, Northwest uh, so we have students from California, Washington, Nevada, Utah, uh, Colorado, uh, New Mexico. We have some students from out east, but most of our students are right here uh, from the western side of the United States. Our college is focused on ministry training. So all of our majors, every student is a Bible major, and then everyone else majors in some area of ministry preparation. So we're really thankful for other schools that have broader missions of doing liberal arts training, but our institution's focused on training leaders for the church. And so we're, we're not a big college at all. We're just so thankful for the students that God has brought us. We have about 100 students right now, all training for some area of ministry. Yeah, it's so great. I've had a long history with the church and actually the college since I was a kid. I was talking with you about this before, but my grandparents lived not too far from the church, were members of Tri-City Baptist Church back when I was a kid. And so I've known about the church, visited the church with my family, my parents for a long time. Actually, my uh, my oldest brother attended the college uh, in the early years of the college. He didn't finish there. In fact, I don't know how long he stayed, um, but uh, he had been married and he and his wife moved down to Arizona. I remember that whole story and attended the college. So I, I have some history with the college and thankful for its ministry over the years. Yeah, and I'm thankful that we can connect what we're doing here with just a broader audience and just finding people of like mind across, really across the world, because uh, we're concerned. You talk about, you asked me about my burden. Mm. I'm, I'm burdened about where the next generation of leaders is coming for the church and, and for missions. And so we know the Lord of the harvest asked us to pray to, that he would send out laborers into the harvest. And so we need to pray, but we also need to put our hand to the till to do something about that. And that's really what we wake up every day around here seeking to do, to train that next generation of leaders uh, for the church right here in the West and the United States, but then around the world. Well, we love that. And uh, of course, you know, you know, we have a small Bible college here as well and, and burden yeah. for this particular region. So same thing, Nathan, I'm excited to have you here and just kind of connect our hearts and burdens together uh, in this coming week. 
Let's back up though. I'm fascinated by that. You said you grew up in Africa, Kenya, if I remember right. Yeah, I, I my dad pastored a church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, just north of Albuquerque, until I was about nine years old. It was while I was there in Albuquerque that I came to a personal faith in Jesus Christ when I was seven years old. And then shortly after that, my family left Albuquerque, and we moved to uh, Nairobi, Kenya, East Africa. And so that was uh, 1993 when I got there, and I stayed there until I was 18 and came back here uh, to Arizona for college. My mom and dad are still there in Kenya. They've been serving there faithfully ever since. They love it. And so I still think of Kenya as home. Kind of my formative years were spent there on the mission field in, in Kenya. I'm sure that shaped you in, you know, I, oh, I can't imagine how many ways. Anything specific that you'd say, boy, as I look back on, you know, those years uh, growing up, serving alongside, you know, your parents, what, what would be the big things that maybe shaped your life? You know, I look back at those years in Kenya, and I don't think I even knew it at the time, but God was doing something really special in Kenya. I think historians are really starting to note this period of time as the Great East African Revival. We were just in the middle of it. We just saw so many people come to faith in Christ. We saw churches grow, flourish, people be discipled, trained for ministry. And, you know, as a kid, you're kind of taking all that for granted as you're watching all these spectacular things happen. I look back now and I realize how special all that really was, all the experiences I had as a kid. I was heavily involved in my parents' ministry. Um, I I learned Swahili, uh, served in the children's ministry, did a lot of teaching and preaching as a teenager. I didn't always have a heart that was really surrendered to serve the Lord. But when I was 16 years old, doing ministry in Kenya, I really was burdened for that work. So about 16 years old, I really surrendered my heart to serve the Lord. I really thought at that time I was going back to Kenya to serve as a missionary. And I I tell people I kind of had a reverse missionary call. (laughs) It was while I was back here in the States and saw what was going on in the churches in America that I kind of got burdened for the mission field uh, that America is. The church in Kenya is thriving, vibrant, has all of its challenges, but it's a thriving, vibrant church. And um, I really got burdened to, to spend my life here in the United States and serve the church in America. So I kind of describe it as a reverse missionary call. I feel like a missionary from Kenya hmm. to America. Wow, it's amazing. It, the, the ways that God leads in our lives, it's it's truly you know incredible when we think about the journey that God brings us through and the burdens that he places on us. Um, so, you, yeah. so you grew up in a ministry family. You talked about kind yeah. of a surrender to God when you were 16. Um, so just because you, you know, your dad was a pastor, uh, that didn't make you a Christian. How, how did you actually become a follower of Jesus? Well, I was rotten, just a rotten kid. <laughs> I didn't have any trouble finding evidence that I was a sinner. I had a horrible temper. Mm. I, was, I remember listening in on a conversation that my parents had with my aunt and uncle, I was just a little kid, and I just overheard the conversation where my mom and dad were like at wit end about what they're going to do with their, you know, bratty seven-year-old, <laughs> and and I can and it didn't bother me. It just really didn't bother me. And I remember Mrs. Schrader Friday night Bible clubs, our little church in our little town north of Albuquerque, and she just talked about 
the rewards that you would receive in heaven for faithful service. I remember going back home from that. I'm laying in bed. I, I still have a very strong memory of this night. Laying in bed and just knowing that not only was I not going to get a reward, <laughs> I wasn't even going to heaven. Uh, yeah. And I had heard the gospel from faithful parents, but parents that didn't arm twist me to pray, a prayer that I didn't mean. And so I, I just, I got out of bed by myself, seven years old, 1988, uh, right there in Bernalillo, New Mexico, little town, and bowed and asked Jesus to be my Savior. And, you know, you look back and um, growing up in a Christian home, you know, is there the fruit of, of conversion and repentance? And, you know, the Lord, I, I'm sure I still had lots of trying moments for my parents, but the Lord really did start to change my heart. And um, my parents would even testify that that temper and that strong-willed fight against them really started to change. And so I'm thankful for a Christian home. I'm thankful that I came to the Lord at an early age. But everyone's story is just an amazing testimony of God's grace, that God recognized a bratty, red-headed kid running around nowhere in New Mexico and reached out with his grace and saved him. It's just an astounding thing to me. Yeah, I love that. And uh, you're right, our stories are all different. And God's um, God's work in our lives is all different at different times, at different seasons, and yet still the same, just conviction of sin, understanding that we need Jesus, whether we're seven years old or 17 or 57, right? We need Jesus, and yeah. thankful That's for right. that testimony. Um, I want to talk with you about missions, but maybe just before I get there, kind of talk about your background. Uh, you, you, were, um, you said you went to Bible college there at, at IBC, um, on staff there, you're at the president of the, the college and seminary, and also in the Air National Guard as well as a chaplain, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I am just, I, this is this amazes me. I just realized my, uh, February is my uh, enlistment, uh, my um, commissioning date, and so I'm coming up on my 12th year serving as an Air National Guard chaplain. Wow. So. It's amazing how quickly that that goes. I'm here in the Phoenix area, but I am the wing chaplain for the 162nd wing, which is located down in Tucson, so just south of us, about an hour and a half. And so I'm a traditional guardsman, which means I spend about, well, I would say 45 to 60 days a year in some type of military status Mm -hmm. and serving the men and women of that wing, which has been an amazing privilege uh, and this is something that connects me to your community there in Guam. Exactly. I was going to uh, mention that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've met people through the years uh, that have been in Guam. I've actually met a number of people that have been there at Harvest mm. and know about your ministry that were there when they were stationed. And I just love the military ministry. You know, I'm in this this kind of Christian bubble, so to speak, here at a, at a good-sized ministry and a Bible college. I work with wonderful staff. But then at least once a month and multiple other times during the year, I, I just put on my uniform, as my kids call it. When they were little, they said, oh, Dad, you got your costume on. Um, <laughs> put my uniform on, and I go south, and I uh, join this. Uh, this unit is um, 1,800 airmen, men and women, who are serving our country. Uh, it's, a, it's a large wing. It's the most active It's actually the most active air wing in the United States. Our wing flew more sorties than any other wing, not just Air National Guard, that would be Air National Guard or Air Force last year. And so it's a very active ministry. Hmm. It's profoundly challenging. Uh, it's busy. We're dealing with people 
right in the middle of everything that you would expect people in, in our world to be dealing with. We, we deal with suicide, suicide ideation, substance abuse, um, domestic violence, marriage care. Um, I mean, just a whole host of counseling things. But we also see uh, with routine, people come to faith in Christ. We have discipleship relationships. And so for me, I, I just love that aspect of the ministry that God put in my lap. And he really did just put it in my lap. I didn't get out of seminary thinking I'd be a chaplain, uh, but I absolutely love every minute I get to spend uh, with our nation's uniform on. I love my uniform. It says United States Air Force, and then it's got a cross. And so I love those two things being brought together on that uh, on that uniform. Yeah, that's great. Um, and uh, as you said, of course, we have such a burden for that harvest. The ministry, the church really began originally 47, going on 48 years ago, as an outreach to military mainly. And over over time, God's really broadened that mission, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways. But of course, we still have uh, Navy, Air Force, uh, new Mar- they just opened the new uh, Marine base, Camp Blas. Um, and Marines are starting to come in. So they're all around us, and uh, all, you know, many, many servicemen and women come th- through the church and serve together in the church. And so I'm, I'm eager, actually, to have you here and get your connection with, with uh, our servicemen and women. So that's another awesome, con- you know, connection for you. Yeah, and I'm thankful for a church that's invested in military ministry. I know that's a transient community, come in, come out. But the neat, and, and this is important, and the, a local church connection for people in our armed forces when they're deployed somewhere or when they're on a, uh, a, an assignment, they get stationed somewhere, that connection to a local church is just so incredibly important. So I'm just thankful for a ministry that's got that focus. Well, you, you know this, Pastor Nathan, but we really feel this idea and the privilege that we have of uh, you know, as God directs people to Guam, Guam's unique in the sense, you know, particularly with those coming for the military, that it's, you know, it's out here. It's a long ways out. You don't go someplace else on the weekend. Uh, and um, and there's a sense uh, uh, for some that, you know, it's a little bit uh, isolated, and it can be a real place of spiritual um, resetting. I think that's the word that I've sensed most. And so, there's a lot of people that come here, and God has a way of just getting hold of their attention, stopping them, and uh, and then to to have people be able to see, we hope, a real healthy church where people are growing and uh, people are coming to faith and striving to please the Lord, uh, in order that people could you know grow and and as God does transition some out. Um, they'd be able to be ready to serve in places all around the world. So not only just maybe in formal missions, but we feel like every year we have people going from Harvest that are going to serve God hopefully more effectively than than when they came, and we're really thankful for that ministry. Hey, I want to ask you a couple things uh, about your burden for missions. Um, we have just a, maybe just a few minutes left here, but what have been some of the most impactful missions experiences that you've had, particularly when you're growing up or, or maybe, a, you know, now later as you have a chance to kind of minister in different ways? I'll never forget going out with my dad. We had a 16 millimeter projector. Mm-hmm. I was in charge of running that thing. It broke all the time. I'm really good at splicing 16 millimeter film <laughs> together, which is not the most marketable job skill. In Well, it know, used 20, to be, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I'm really good at that. And we had a band and we had um, these posts that we welded to the side of our van and we had this frame that we put a big screen on and we would show uh, the Jesus film mm. in the language of the tribe in whatever part of the country we're in. And one of the things that will always stay with me is I would climb up on top of our van and sit there and we would just announce that the movie would start at, at sundown and you would just start to watch people with with flashlights or lanterns or on their bikes with a little headlight just screaming towards our van mm-hmm. from all over. Sometimes we were in places that looked empty, but we would show up and set up this film and we would just literally have people streaming towards our vehicle. We would show that film. We would preach the gospel. I often had a kid's program that I would do, puppet show that I would do. And, you know, two, 3,000 people showing up wow. um, the same day that you announce it. And just thinking of the, the mass of people. And, you know, that scene, it, it just connects to that scene in John chapter 4 where, you know, the, the woman has gone back to the city. The, the Samaritan woman has gone back to the city and told the people there of all the things that Jesus had said to her. And it's in that context that Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look to the fields where they are white and ready to harp for harvest. And when his disciples did that and looked from the well there towards the city of Samaria, they, they would have seen the people from that city streaming towards Jesus to, to hear from him that life-giving truth that he is the living water. And so... To, to me, those scenes as a young kid, just watching humanity literally stream towards us so they could hear the gospel, it's just the reminder that God is is in the business of lifting up His Son, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and of drawing men to Himself. And so I just believe that God's doing that. He's doing that here in America. He's doing that all over the world. He's doing it there in Guam. And so just a confidence that God is about His business of, of building His church. So I just kind of a high level answer to your question, but those are the things that really resonate in my heart. Oh man, that's awesome! I uh, just looking at Chris here. Uh, we I can feel that, you know, I can almost see yeah. that. I put myself in that situation and the impact of that, even as a young, you know, young man of God's work among the nations. It's really a powerful image to me. Um, yeah. I know that you're going to be communicating that this weekend over this next week, but maybe just a little piece of it. So what can the church do? Yeah, you know, I have read the Bible from leather to leather, and I haven't found the Bible college in there yet for <laughs> the Christian camp. Yeah. But I have found the church in there. Hmm. The, the words of Jesus just resonate. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is a promise from the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that he will build his church, and it's an offensive stance that he puts the church on. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. That is not hell attacking the church. Yeah. That is the church advancing into hell's territory. Jesus is saying there, the church is going to go ring hell's doorbell. And we have to stay up. We have to stay on the offense. We have to rip the prevent defense out of our mm out of our playbook. And I think that's what's going on right now. We, we see the things happening culturally and politically and, you know, geopolitically. 
and we start to panic, and it, the sky is falling. You know, the chicken little Christian gets in defense, and it becomes us four and no more. Hmm. And, you know, churches start using their baptistry for storage, and, you know, that's just wrong. We have to stay optimistic, because Jesus Christ promised that the church would go ring hell's doorbell. And so we have to have that stance, and we have to be investing in the next generation. You've encountered this, I'm sure, Pastor Gary, I've seen it, where, you know, you meet Christian parents that are almost talking their kids out of ministry, yeah. out of going. Yeah. And, and I, I really think that's a tragedy. Um, this is the greatest thing on the planet you could do with your life, mm-hmm. and it comes with so many of God's blessings. Let's present a positive picture of what it means to serve the Lord to our young people. It's exciting. There are challenges for sure, but it comes with God's blessing, with God's presence, and so we just need to present that. Man, amen. Um, we've been trying to you know, say this as often as we can, but God has prepared us, this generation, for this time. This is not a mistake. God didn't you know, kind of close his eyes and forget about, oops, or, you know, we left those people there in a bad situation. He has prepared us. And in fact, he is in the middle of preparing the next generation for whatever we're going to face in, you know, in the ministry to come. God's prepared his church for this and um, let's get after it. I am, I can't wait to uh, hear God's burden that he's brought to you through his word and uh, looking forward to your ministry in, uh, you know, in, in a number of different ways, Pastor Nathan. So um, thank you again for kind of introducing yourself here today. Can't wait to have you uh, here and looking forward to what God's going to do. Well, I can't wait either. The chance to minister the word. I'm really, I really want to try some Chamorro food. I haven't ever had that. I'm looking forward to some authentic food, some good fellowship, and then the preaching of the word. We're just, our, the Lord's going to knit our hearts together. Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, we can take care of all of that. So you do the preaching, we'll take care of the food and the fellowship. How about that? That's, that's a deal. I'm coming. <laughs> Can't wait. All right, well, thanks for being willing to join us on the phone here. And uh, and again, we're praying. We're already praying uh, for this weekend and what God's going to do. And, and uh, looking forward to our time together. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, we want to take this opportunity to invite you to our missions conference. We've said the theme this year is God's glory to the nations. We hope you can join us 8.45 a.m., 10.45 a.m. Sunday morning. Either one of those times, we'd love to see you there. You can also view the 10.45 a.m. service on live stream at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.